Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm proud to be your host. I am a retail transformation specialist and I work with retailers to help drive effective and efficient retail transformation, clarifying the critical business challenges, discovering the optimal solutions and building out that ideal operating model, creating a culture for change and accelerating progress. Ultimately, driving business value realizing strategy and building both the bottom line and the customer experience. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 249, number 249. Now over the past three episodes, that's episode 246, 247 and 248, we have been discussing the rise of robotics. We've touched on how robots are expanding into warehouses and fulfillment centers. We've explored the innovations that are bringing robotics into the world of transport and global supply chains. We've touched upon the innovative solutions that are being deployed towards last mile deliveries. And across these three episodes, the majority of use cases have been around moving stock. Not exclusively, but primarily, the use of robotics has been to aid moving physical product, which, when you're looking at the supply chain functions that I've just mentioned, is not entirely surprising. But in today's episode, we're continuing our investigation into the rise of robotics, and it's the conclusion of this little mini-series, and we're exploring other use cases today, mainly within physical stores. Those robots that are interfacing or potentially exposed to consumers. And some of the examples that we'll touch on absolutely are inspired by what is happening in China and in Asia as a whole. In that part of the world, robots are more widely accepted in day to day life compared to other parts of the world, places like Europe, the UK, the US, Australia, and so on. Plus, there is greater technical capability and infrastructure to support these advanced, highly connected devices as well. I'm going to be putting some videos on the show notes today to help bring some of these ideas to life if you've not come across them. And you can find those show notes at obandco.uk slash 249. That's obandco.uk slash 249. And whilst you're over there, don't forget to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my weekly email highlighting how the world of retail is evolving. Each week in your inbox, you'll get a quick-to-read digest of key headlines from around the world with innovations, insights, inspiration, and a few practical tips to help you transform better. You can sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing completely for free at obandco.uk slash 249. So let's explore some different robot use cases from the bigger world of retail. 
And whilst we have been looking at moving stock, the first example is absolutely moving stock. And it's inspired by a robot solution called Mobimart, a concept very much so at this stage, where an entire grocery store can be ordered to arrive at your location for your convenience. You use an app, you request the store, <laughs> and then it drives itself over to you. And you can shop right there and then in a convenient, handy and timely way. Now, this trial started a few years back in 2017 in Shanghai, but I have to admit, from my research, it does seem to have gone rather quiet. So take from that what you will as to whether that is the future of supermarkets. But aside from this still space age use case, let's shift gears and think about stock integrity and stock management. Now, this is one of the use cases for robots in physical stalls that has seen the most traction and the most different trials in place. Now, there are a few different ways that you could activate this sort of solution, but ultimately there are two parts to it. You've got the AMR capability, the ability to sense position, move around a physical place, avoid obstacles, and ultimately providing a mobile platform. And then the second part is having a vision system that can scan shelves, labels, or any other parts of the store for that matter. And combining these two ultimately creates a mobile vision system that can cover the entire store or perhaps nearly the entire store. And you may want to, of course, integrate this system with other system and data sources as well. Elements like planograms, stock files, price files, sales data, as well as other technical solutions like pressure sensitive shelves, CCTV, heat mapping tools, and so on. And you might want to use this mobile vision system essentially for use cases like merchandising plan compliance, making sure that products are in the right place, identifying gaps, highlighting areas to tidy, creating a replenishment pick list, and perhaps prioritizing that replenishment list. Plus, it could create documentation for brands, especially in categories like grocery, where CPG brands are looking for evidence of aspects like funded shelf space or replenishment quality, as well as insight about their performance and presence versus competitors. So it could form an interesting new data source and potentially a new revenue source as well. Whilst this mobile vision system is scanning the store, as I mentioned, you'll highlight out of stocks. You could test things like price integrity. And you could, of course, combine it with other tasks such as cleaning, which we'll get onto in just a moment. And I think this point about combining with other tasks is really important. There are multiple touch points for a shelf in the store, multiple reasons that a colleague, traditionally, shall we say, would need to visit the shelf edge to do stock control routines, replenishment and so on. And really, the aim here is to minimise that total human effort. Not eliminate it, but minimise. Because there's a lot of travel involved, and often there's a lot of go and check this, go and check that. And by using a robot to do multiple different tasks at the shelf edge at one time, it improves the overall business justification and allows you to really accumulate the benefits. It makes the most of the capability and the investment of the physical robotic unit, 
you know, you're investing in this complex machine, you may as well use it to the maximum, right? And it also helps to avoid transforming your physical store into a hustling, bustling, robotic metropolis, right? <laughs> now, it's interesting, Walmart were big on this particular solution. And in 2019, they'd started trialing and significantly expanded an in-store trial for Bossa Nova robots doing stock scanning. And this trial expanded to approximately 500 stores in total. But at the end of 2020, Walmart decided to halt the trial, really on the basis of how customers were responding to these tall, potentially imposing stock robots, and actually recognising that having colleagues on the shop floor was important. It encourages that customer communication and stops, of course, that experience that I'm sure everyone has come across where you're looking for a colleague and you just can't find someone, right? Back in the warehouse episode, we also touched on the use of drones for doing stock scanning and stock integrity. And I wonder whether we could see drones being used in stores. Although, of course, this particular solution could be a very thin line before it starts to really frustrate and impose on customers. Elements like noise, perceived safety, and just generally that feeling of having something flying over your head, which isn't a particularly enjoyable experience, right? But perhaps there's an opportunity for using drones when the store is closed, for example. And this could be an opportunity for doing stock checks, price integrity checks, and so on. But perhaps that's tech for tech's sake. What do you think? Let's move on to our next use case. And we're going to think about cleaning next. And it's a task that absolutely could be combined with some stock integrity checks. Having a cleaning robot with a mobile stock vision system on board to scan as you clean, essentially. And there's a couple of different cleaning robots that you could employ. Either cleaning the store to a schedule or having a spot cleaning robot that is in response to a spillage. And these robots are coming more and more commonplace, although I'm still slightly surprised when you see a human driving or pushing a scrubber unit around, particularly supermarkets. That said, there are hybrid cleaners that are available that can be driven automatically, or they can have a person either as a safety driver or taking control, which could be great for, you know, difficult elements or scenarios. Maybe it's a very complex store layout, or actually it's just very busy with customers at the time where it's needed. But then for quieter times, you could absolutely set the automated side of the robot cleaner just to go and clean off different parts of the store where there are fewer or no customers. The next use case is another one that Walmart have really been exploring, and that is in click and collect orders. And this can work in lots of different categories. Walmart deployed a solution where there is a large tower. Customers can scan in and request their order and their order will be brought physically down from the tower for the customer. And there are other solutions as well. In the Netherlands, JD.com opened a colleague-free store called Ochama, which picks and packs and serves orders for customers. So customers can order online or via a kiosk. Robots then automatically and instantly pick and pack that order on-site and it's ready to collect almost instantly. And Ochama stands for Omnichannel Amazing. And that's the view that JD.com have. And let's not forget, they're one of the most innovative retailers in the world right now. 
And interestingly, when they opened the stores last year, 2022, a little snippet of information suggests that this efficient operation allows them to lower prices by up to 10%, offering customers great value as well as convenient shopping. And lowering prices by 10% whilst maintaining that profit, not costs lowered by 10%, but prices, that's pretty incredible. So maybe there's something there to look at. And really, this Ochama concept is a form of mini fulfillment center, where you've got that ability to pick and pack orders. And that's absolutely another great use case for deploying robotic solutions in store. But broadly, the micro fulfillment center will use similar robotics to the main fulfillment center that we discussed back in episode 246. The next use case is around customer service. Now, perhaps you've come across Pepper, a little robot, probably four foot tall or so, with a screen, friendly, cute exterior, and it's all there to serve customers. It can listen to a customer request and respond accordingly. And interestingly, using the power of computing, it had 15 different languages, so great for more international places where a whole host of customers can just talk in their preferred language and it can converse with them equally. Whereas, of course, a human colleague being able to instantly switch between 15 different languages would be a tough recruitment criteria, I would suggest. <laughs> However, before we get too excited with Pepper, it was actually discontinued as a development project. So it ran from 2014 to 2020, but no longer. So it's a bit of a techie for tech's sake solution, I might suggest. But that doesn't mean that consumers are not ready to be served by a robot in store. In China, the EV car company Jidu opened up a robot staffed car showroom. It's called the Roboverse. And customers enter the store and meet a life-size humanoid robot who asks a series of questions and give insights and suggestions based on that particular consumer's own interests and preferences. Customers can then browse around asking this robot for more questions, or perhaps enjoy a coffee from the Robo Barista. Whilst this might sound a little gimmicky, the EV market in China is incredibly competitive with over 150 different brands available. And so this Roboverse store perhaps is a clever approach to standing out and appealing to a more digitally savvy or tech-loving, gadget-loving consumer out in China. So I think we'll continue to see more mobile robots and different kiosk solutions there to help customers find products, find information, check prices, check stock, and ultimately complete simple, repeatable tasks. To help serve customers, we may also see more holograms or projections. Whilst this is not strictly a robot, it is a way of using machines to support and serve customers. You may have seen different projections or recordings being used with travel hubs, and you may have seen different holograms like Hypervision. Well, now they're being integrated with AI to allow real-time conversations and custom movements so that you could have a conversation with a hologram. And I can't help but feel it wouldn't be a massive leap to put that hologram unit onto an AMR and have that roaming the store. How long till we see that particular solution? 
Slightly shifting gears and looking at the world of hospitality, we're seeing more and more use of robots as waiting staff, serving and clearing in restaurants in particular. But you might say this isn't massively new. I remember sitting in Yosushi probably 20 plus years ago with a robotic drinks cart doing the rounds, whilst of course the food was served on their classic conveyor system. But nevertheless, in restaurants in particular, staff members have to do a huge amount of walking with a relatively small action at either end. And the amount of steps covered in a busy restaurant can make the number of steps covered in a retail store look relatively leisurely. (laughs) But nevertheless, the hospitality industry, in many ways like retail, does have to deal with labour shortages and a lack of staff. And so being able to deploy robots is a solution that can avoid this and deliver a more efficient solution as well. Restaurants are also using robots to prepare food, whether it's cooking burgers, creating stir fries, being that robo barista, or maybe even a robo mixologist making a few cocktails as well. However, many of these use cases are more for gimmick and show rather than a real genuine scalable and justified business case. So there are lots of different ways that robots are being deployed in stores and lots of different ways that customers are starting to become more exposed to robots in everyday life. And we can't forget that actually consumers are choosing to have robots in their life, whether it's a robotic vacuum cleaner, lawnmower, or perhaps even a robotic pet. People are seeing more and more value in robots and understanding how they can make their lives easier. And I suspect we'll see more and more different use cases. And with generative AI developing at the pace it is, how long until we start to have real robot companions and assistants to help us run our lives as well as give company, which could be especially interesting in other markets that, again, struggle to recruit and retain colleagues. You know, I'm thinking elements like healthcare and caring for the elderly, which is a tough role to recruit great people into. And so as consumers become more and more familiar with robots, I think we'll start to inevitably see more and more use cases in physical stools too. And of course, let's not beat around the bush. Technology is developing at a massive pace, especially with the generative AI side that could allow true customer service to really come through and rival human counterparts. But there are a few different considerations that I wanted to share with you, nevertheless, before we all run away and uh, recruit a load of robots. The first of these key considerations is to really understand why are you using them? The majority of use cases for robots are around labour replacement, cost saving with cheaper run rates, availability of resource, offering 24-7 service with the exception of plugging into charge and avoiding some of the same challenges that human colleagues ultimately do present to retailers and consumer facing brands and companies. You know, having colleagues with inconsistent training and experience, a limited knowledge when customers are walking in with the power of the web right at their fingertips, the burnout that colleagues experience from tiredness, from fatigue, the exposure to danger and aggression and abuse. And I think 
we'll all agree if a robot gets damaged or insulted, that's much less of an issue than if one of our human colleagues experiences the same thing. You know, robots are always going to be on. They don't have to book in their holidays, sick leave. And you definitely don't have to worry about churn or resignations. But also, robots present a lower risk solution. As simple humans, we are exposed to injury and negativity and even offering a chance of internal theft and shrink and so on. And so for all of these reasons, which can sound negative around humans, and I don't want it to sound like that, by the way, but they can absolutely present a business challenge that can lead people to think, why don't we get robots? But nevertheless, robotics are great for repeatable work with a small element of flexibility. So there are some low levels of variation. So I'm not thinking about no variation, which you'd be better just using a machine or a mechanism, you know, putting something on a conveyor belt, for example. No variation, it goes from A to B. But high variation would be much better suited to a person that can react and uh, respond accordingly. But robots are different. They're more developed than just a mechanism. Like I say, they can think, they can make decisions, and they can learn as well. And as AI becomes more and more powerful, I suspect we'll see that flexibility increase even further. But really, with that repeatable concept in mind, you want to minimize the non-value-add work that humans are doing and use people where people excel, right? Because robots are great at relatively simple interactions and interfaces. Although, as I mentioned, AI is starting to develop this and change it a little bit further. But my first consideration for you is to really challenge why you are thinking about robots. The second consideration is around data. So data and robotics are hugely important. And with that, inherently, by the way, AI is thrown in as a controlling system, right? Already, we're seeing integration with other data sources like stock records. But also, I think there's a big opportunity around CRM and order history, for example. And then you can start to think about more advanced concepts. Now, I'm speculating here, but with vision systems being able to identify particular customers, it wouldn't be that difficult to have a robot being able to recognize a particular customer and being able to offer a personalized service that knows order history, size or color preferences, what that particular customer has been browsing online and so on. Now, of course, there's elements around privacy in there, definitely. But arguably, if a robot is serving it, probably fewer issues than if you're serving that same information up to a human colleague. Devices can increasingly start to do auto sizing for fashion items. And again, wouldn't be that difficult for a robot customer service assistant to be able to automatically size up a customer that is standing in front of them so that they get the right sized item first time. And actually, you could even integrate that with different AR solutions and offer an instant virtual try on. You'd like the blue top. Here's what you would look like in the blue top. Hmm, looks nice. Another element around data and robotics is around thinking about data collection. Ingesting existing data to be able to optimize different routes or operations is an obvious solution. But actually, how can it collect more and more data? So of course, if it's a stock control type robot, this is going to be natural, collecting data around price integrity, stock levels, replenishment levels, etc. 
But what about customer-facing robots? Think about all of the data that you could begin to bring in and digest at a company level around what type of questions customers are asking for, different reactions when they see products, so many different use cases, and really capturing all of that data and using AI and ML to begin to analyze and self-optimize. Suddenly, you'll have more ideas coming out of your head than you know what to do with. But with robots serving as really quite potent data collection devices, we do also need to consider the implications around privacy and security, as I mentioned. How are we going to navigate this data and privacy landscape where every single interaction with the customer could be potentially recorded or analyzed and acted upon? Where do we draw the line? The third consideration is around how people are responding to robots. And despite the warning signs from elements like the Walmart trial where they pulled out for that reason, people can warm to robots. And we've seen this most commonly with delivery robots, like we were talking about in the last episode. In Milton Keynes, I've heard stories about people helping stuck robots and even robots getting a few decorations for Christmas time as well. And Amazon warehouse associates are regularly claiming how amazing it is to have robot colleagues and how they really support their jobs, avoiding the backbreaking tasks and making it funner and easier, right? And when you think about this likability of robots, as robots can start to communicate powered by generative AI, there's an opportunity to increase this likability with powerful language models and allowing a robot to be more helpful, more friendly. You know, imagine bolting on the insane knowledge and flexible personality of ChatGPT, being able to tailor a robot to talk in your brand voice. And I think the negotiating chatbot Nibble is a great example of how you can bring in some cheeky humor and personality to a robot device, right? It's a really developing topic here. We are absolutely feeling new ground. And the response to this year's ChatGPT phenomenon has been really interesting. And actually, the University of Texas are partway through a five-year-long research project exploring and investigating how people interact with robots and how they respond to them. And five years is a really long research project that will allow us to understand better how we begin to normalize or take for granted different robots. But also, it's interesting because the rate of change of these devices right now, you know, between where we are, let's say now and five years time, it's going to be quite dramatically different, right? But as different technology develops, we also really need to be careful of the uncanny valley. This is a phenomenon that means that as robots become more realistic and more advanced and more human-like, we tend to like it a bit more, to a point. Because at that point, when it becomes too realistic, but also definitely not human, it's extremely unlikable, disgusting even. And this unlikable phenomenon stays until the true likeness becomes so human that we're confused and we accept the robot as another human. And that's the reason why many robots are obviously robots. They're very plasticky, they're glossy and white and funny shapes. 
it removes the risk of us slipping into the uncanny valley. And really, that uncanny valley is a very human response in many ways. Not liking something because it's close, but not quite good enough. Quite discriminating in many ways, right? And then the fourth and final consideration that I wanted to share with you is that if you are pursuing a robot transformation project or program, whether it's in stores or warehouses, wherever, if you are pursuing this robotic program, it has to be for the right reasons. It has to be aligned to your primary strategy, your company strategy. It has to make sense against your innovation capability and approach. You need clear and fair business justification. It needs to sit in the right priority against a wider organization. This is not tech for tech's sake. Whilst robots can be a gimmick, they shouldn't be a gimmick. They should be deployed into real business operations, real use cases. And there should be this recognition across the organization that robots are not a quick fix. It is not a double click to install and you're up to max efficiency and effectiveness right from day one. This is a long-term play that may actually take a considerably long time to pay off than what you first suspect and that is going to need ongoing development, ongoing investment, ongoing investigation as well. However, that said, I absolutely believe that the right robotic solution can propel you and your business and your operating model forward. It can help you realize lower operating costs, boost throughput, offer a better customer experience. It can allow you to develop the whole organization. Robotics will signify to your customers and your colleagues that you're a forward-thinking organization, which might be right or wrong, but robotics can also relieve your colleagues of tedious, tough roles and activities. And it allows people to do the type of tasks that people do best, the type of tasks that people excel at, bringing in the emotional side or complex problem solving or creativity or developing and building and maintaining relationships with other humans. The rise of robotics in retail is happening, but it needs to be right for you and for your organization. Try not to get too wowed by the amazing gimmicky tech solutions that are out there, but do see through and understand what could this really present us as a company? Because there are some fantastic opportunities out there. Now, I've got one closing thought, which I'll share with you in just a moment. But if you are wondering about what episodes to go and listen to next, a few different suggestions today. If you've not caught up with the different Rise of Robotics episodes that I've mentioned, then go and check those out. In episode 246, we were looking at robots in warehouses and distribution centers and fulfillment centers. In 247, we dived into transport, looking at self-driving ships and trucks and cars and so on. In episode 248, we were exploring last mile deliveries. And then if you want to have a bit of a break about robotics, we've touched on AI absolutely loads today. And AI goes hand in hand with robotics, which you already know, right? But go and check out episode 224, number 224, 
where I was sharing 10 thoughts on AI in retail. So a few different episodes to check out there. I'm going to put all of those links, as well as some videos inspired by today's conversation, on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 249. So if you're not sure what a self-driving supermarket looks like, or you want to dive into what, for example, JD's or Charma store is like, then go over to the show notes page and sign up for the retail transformation briefing whilst you're there to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. That link once again, obandco.uk slash 249. Now over this episode and the past few episodes, as I mentioned, we've been really exploring the emerging and fast-moving landscape of robotics. And this is a solution set that is not going away. And it seems to be pointing towards, certainly to me, seems to be pointing towards a world where humans and robots can and must coexist, working side by side. I do not believe we'll get to a world, not for a long time anyway, where robots are doing everything. We have to be working with them. My parting thought for you to consider is what does this mean for the nature of work and employment going forward? How do we ensure that this technological leap can be achieved and doesn't leave people behind or switch people off? And actually, how can it help us drive to a fairer society? How do we develop a future that does not overly favour the more tech-savvy colleagues and customers? Because that should not be the goal of robotics. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed this look into the rise of robotics. Do feel free to reach out. You'll find my email on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 249. Or find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear your thoughts on these different episodes. If you're new to the podcast, do hit subscribe and catch new episodes every single week. And why not tell a colleague as well? There's absolutely loads of great episodes in the archives. And next week, we're coming up to a biggie. Episode 250, a quarter of a thousand. Woo! <laughs> How did we get here so quickly, it seems like? Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you more than you recognize. And I look forward to joining you in another episode very, very soon. Bye for now. Oh,